everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. Oh, no. This episode is called Do Over Murder in the House of Gucci, a.k.a. the one where Kimberly and Katie attempt Italian accents and fail spectacularly. I thought that we were going to be really respectful. I'm sorry. There are so many Italian names in this episode, and I have to say them. I'm going to try and be as respectful as possible. So this episode is season 30, episode 10, uh, aired on December 3rd, 2021, hosted by Natalie Morales, who basically speaks Italian because it's insane. And I did go on Twitter and see if she had addressed the situation. Apparently, she does not speak Italian. She speaks Spanish pretty fluently, I think. And so she said they're similar enough that she's pretty good at Italian and she can understand a lot of it. So that's cool. Yeah. So we open on Via Monte Napoleone. There we go. Which is a fancy shopping street in Italy. And I, this is literally the first sentence. And literally when I had to turn on the subtitles and I did not turn them off for the entire episode because I, I wanted to get people's names right. And I couldn't understand what was happening. Oh, I never turn them off. I always have them on because I can barely understand if we're in Alabama. Here's the more important question. Did you recognize Natalie Morales this time? They said her name right away. Okay. They probably did last time too. <laughs> but no, it's her hair is definitely different when her hair is she's wearing it in a different way. Okay. That was it. I don't know what's wrong with me. Are you Joni who didn't recognize Matt Damon on 30 Rock because he was wearing a hat famously? No. I'm sorry. I thought Natalie was leaving us. So I am sort of confused. She is at the end of the year. And I thought last time would be our last time with her. But we got one more bonus one. So pretty excited. I would have to believe this is the last one because there's only a few more weeks. Mm. So, yeah, I know we'll miss her. She was great in this episode. So are we in Milan? We are in Milan. Okay. They filmed all over Italy. They went to Florence. They went to Milan. Dateline producer posted a lot of pictures. It looked amazing. They went out to dinner every night at 11 and ate pasta. It looked just amazing. So this story of Gucci makes a Greek tragedy look like a children's story. And a British man tells us this is more than dynasty, more than Dallas. And I got very excited. I am now going to pronounce the word dynasty like dynasty forever. We should. It's much preferable. It is. And this story is now on the big screen in the movie House of Gucci. It starts with 46-year-old Mauricio. See, I'm just going to say Mauricio. 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 Mau. Mauricio. Gucci. Gucci. Third generation scion of the Gucci brand. He was murdered in 1995. I knew nothing about this story, but you know how little I know about fashion. So, but I do love intrigue and there's lots of intrigue and drama here. So where was Gianni Versace shot? At his house in Florida. Right. I think the reason that maybe we didn't know about this is because it didn't happen in the U.S. Perhaps. But it's a crazy story. Well, and I've seen the House of Gucci movie everywhere. And so when that came up at the very beginning, I was like, is this just who produced that movie? Is this a big, long ad to get everyone to go see House of Gucci? Right. Starring Lady Gaga. Yeah. So we learn that Gucci was shot four times and his doorman was shot when he went into his office. And we meet so many people. First, we meet the author of the book, House of Gucci, that the movie is based on. 
And then we meet an Italian reporter and Natalie, there's so much fashion in this episode. Just right off the bat, she's walking in leather pants in Milan talking to an Italian reporter. It's pretty freaking cool. I got them all. I am so glad you did. I knew you would. So I just didn't even write anything down. I saved them all for fashion police. We meet a woman, Sherry Loud, who becomes very important to the story. She met Mauricio at a sailing regatta, which is where I meet most people other than at the Derby and at my chalet and at tea parties at the palace. By Derby, you mean of the Kentucky yeah. Derbies? Okay. Uh, or others. I all, I love a good Derby. Are there others? We meet a business partner, Andrea Morante who is being interviewed by Natalie in an ornate ballroom, which is another place that I meet people besides the regatta. Where are they? Are they in the old penthouse? Are they in a business office of Gucci? Where is this ballroom? I think they said on Twitter what that room was, but it wasn't somewhere I knew. But they filmed a lot of historic locations. And did they say the word Versailles? No, it wasn't. Because it seemed just seemed very fancy. A prosecutor, Carlo Nocerino, Nocerino, is assigned the very high profile case, except for Katie and Kimberly, ignorant Americans. He talks with his hands, very Italian, and does his interview in Italian, and everything was Italian, and his hands were, I loved it. He's speaking in Italian, and there is a voiceover that I am assuming what they asked for was a, quote, Keith Morrison type. He actually is a voiceover actor that they said we might recognize, but I didn't open up the thing to see if I would recognize his voice. But they, he, the producer kept saying, you might recognize this person's voice. It sounded like a Keith Morrison type. Yeah, it wasn't Keith Morrison. It definitely sounded like a someone I knew. I don't know who it was, so now I'm curious. Okay, I should have looked. I should have done a better job. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say yeah or no? No, no, I didn't know. I, <laughs> I thought you were like, yeah. No, no, I didn't know. Where did it say open this up? I don't know what you're talking about. It was like a link to his maybe IMDb page or an article about him. I think it was an article about him on Twitter. Do you want me to pause while you look for it? I'm gonna tell you right now. It's not easy to find. We'll find out later. Someone will let us know. That's exciting. It's like a little surprise. Okay. So the doorman thankfully survived, but he didn't get a good glimpse at the shooter. He did say the shot sounded like a silencer was used, but they don't think it was a professional hit. At which point Natalie full on just starts speaking Italian and she says, no como mafia. And I was impressed. Pretty good. They think basically if it was a pro hit, they would have killed the doorman and not just wounded him. Mm. The motive was love or money, family or business. But in this situation with the Gucci's, family and business are the same, much like friends who podcast. It always leads to murder. Oh, boy. So we rewind to the history of Gucci. In 1923, the first fashionista Gucci, a man in Florence opened a little factory and it grew very quickly to an important fashion house across Europe, across um, the pond, to America, everywhere by the 80s. It was Gucci and it was big. And But this first fashion Gucci guy, he sent back a check from New York that he had gotten signed by JFK and he was very proud of it. And this man was Maurizio's grandfather that started the company. Wow. Maurizio was born in 1948 
His mom died when he was five, sadly. He was raised by his father, who was a silent film star. There we go. Why is everything so cool? It's pretty amazing. He looked like one, too. Rudolfo, his name was. Rudolfo. He was very handsome, I thought. Yeah, he was handsome. Maurizio did what his father expected of him, what the family expected of him. He played by all the rules. But then in 1970, he met a glamorous woman named, oh boy, Patrizia Reggiani. And Patrizia, I'm going to have trouble. Reggiani? Her father ran a trucking company. And so they had money, but they didn't have a fancy name and social status. And that's what she wanted. She didn't belong to the Milano Bendy, which is the high society circle that the Gucci's were in, which is different than Mint Milano's, which are delicioso. There you go. Then we see Lady Gaga briefly. I don't think she's on Dateline. I think she's being interviewed for the movie and it was an NBC affiliate of some sort. And so they're using her clip. She's not actually talking to Natalie Morales, so I didn't fall for it. But it was still exciting to see her on Dateline. How many times do we see her? Three times? We see her at the very beginning and then we see her now. Do we see her again? We do see her a couple times. Yeah. So it does sort of feel like she was being interviewed for Dateline, but the lighting is very different for Gogs. Than for everyone else. Good. Yes, for Gogs. Sorry, I'm like, it's like Babs. You got it. She's Gogs now. Yeah, Gogs. Yeah. So she plays Patricia in the movie, The House of Gucci. And so she has kind of a more favorable attitude towards Patricia because, you know, you want to love the character that you're playing. So she says Patricia was always an outsider to the Gucci's and she never really made it into that circle. And she and Maurizio got engaged on their second date, which I found fascinating because so did my parents. And so we're going to see if this ends the way my dad always threatens to end his marriage to my mom on a steep cliff on a rocky hike with no one around. (laughs) Patricia was compared to Elizabeth Taylor. I thought that was a stretch. I think she looks like Kris Jenner a lot. But Kris Jenner wasn't around back then. So you got to think about who's big at the time. And she had sort of that big fluffy brown hair and she wore a lot of diamonds and a lot of makeup. This is Liz Taylor white diamonds. Yes, 100%. This is not Liz Taylor national velvet. So, I mean, I feel like the comparison's actually not too bad for Jet Set Liz Taylor. Jet Set Liz Taylor. I could see that. By all accounts, Patricia did have this allure. For sure. Liz Taylor has unspoken just she has the it factor, you know, and I just don't see that from the pictures of Patricia. But by all accounts, she did. She charmed people wherever she went. She was very funny and had a dynamic personality. So I'm just not seeing it through the pictures. And I think if you didn't know who Liz Taylor was, like if you'd never heard of her, you wouldn't see that in Liz Taylor's pictures either. Her white diamonds pictures. So I think it's hard to underestimate someone's confidence in real life. I see the comparison that they're making a a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I also think that Lady Gaga looks exactly like her in the movie. And I'm sure people are going to yell at me. But from what I'm seeing, she looks just right. No, she does. They did an amazing job. Rodolfo, Maurizio's father, did not approve of him marrying Patricia. Oh boy. He ain't saying she's a gold digger, but actually he did say that she was a gold digger. He sure, he sure did. 
Rodolfo even went to the Cardinal of Milan to ask him to stop the marriage. But the Cardinal said, no, they're in love. It's fine. I mean, as long as they aren't gay, they can get married. It's fine. This was in the 70s. Rodolfo says it's either me or her. You either choose your family or you choose this chick. And Mauricio chose the Clovis because men always choose the Clovis. Not always. Usually. They sometimes choose the money. Really? That's not what movies would have us believe. Movies are lying to you. Oh, yeah, that's true. I was actually kind of surprised that he picked her. Yeah. Well, and I think he wouldn't have picked her. But now we find out there are these other fractions of the family that are fine with him marrying whoever he wants. It's just this one person, his dad. But his father was in charge and the boss. It's not like he's going to be never able to work in the company, which is what I thought it was. I was much more impressive when I thought he's done with the Gucci name. He has to wash his hands and become a different name. No, that kind of was what he thought was happening. And Lady Gaga says he chose her and she chose him even knowing he was losing family. So she obviously wasn't a gold digger because he wasn't going to have that money. So Lady Gaga is kind of defending her by saying, see, that proves it. To me, it didn't really prove it because she could still be wanting to marry into the prestige and the last name. She really wanted that last name. 100%. I think Lady Gaga's being kind, but I think Lady Gaga's also getting some heat from the real Patrizia right now. So I get it. But I honestly think that Probably in real life, what happened is she knew that there was a way to work around this. He wasn't being written out of the will yet. Right. And so I don't know. No one came to the wedding from the Gucci family, which is probably good because I feel like they would have objected. Two years later, after this wedding, Uncle Aldo got the father and son to reconcile and he got Mauricio back in the company. He took him to New York to work for Gucci there because Aldo was super driven and he really started the Gucci stores in New York, in Milan, in Rodeo Drive. Like he kind of made Gucci what it was, Uncle Aldo. So see what I'm saying? Uncle Aldo isn't mad at Maurizio. He's okay. Right. But two years later, it's still, he's still let him sit on ice for two years. Correct. There you go. That's true. Mauricio and Patricia... That's not hard to say. Moved to Manhattan. They had two daughters and she was finally part of the high society. She was a fashionista because by then it's the 80s and Gucci was the known brand for the rich and the famous. So Mr. and Mrs. Gucci walking around New York, going to Studio 54, living in a penthouse. They were like famous in New York City and she loved it. That's what she always wanted. She did a famous interview where she said, I would rather weep in a Rolls Royce then be happy on a bicycle. So she loves money. <laughs> she loves money. Yeah. Also, I would rather weep in a Rolls Royce than be happy on a bicycle because I just don't want to exercise. So <laughs> I'll sign up for the Rolls Royce. I'll cry, but it's fine. Mauricio bought, he loved to spend as well. He bought the largest wooden sailboat in the world which is something I never thought I would say and something that only really rich people would want to do. His friend, Sherry, help, who met him at the regatta, remember Sherry, helped him renovate it with shark skin from Japan for the couch. What is this fabric? Oh, it's shark skin. Okay. Can you spill on that couch? 
because the dogs are going to chew up that couch. Maybe shark skin is very durable. Art from Denmark. This renovation took five years and cost $25 million. Wow. He had no boundaries with money. In the 80s. In the 80s. Good point. He had no boundaries with money. He sponsored teams in sailing races. He loved sailboats and he would arrive by helicopter with Patricia and she would show up in furs and heels like Joan Collins and seemed very snobby and very above it. That's not a good look. No one else is wearing that. And she really just wanted to fit in, but she was an outsider even there at his sailing because she wasn't wearing like pants and sneakers. But- She doesn't know that at the time. At that time, she thinks she's the one. I don't know if she cares. She's walking down the private jet stairs like you all are peasants. Yeah. She's thinking, why are we sailing? There are boats with motors on them. Why are we doing an activity that means I shouldn't be wearing heels? Right. Yeah. The wind is going to mess up my hair. I don't belong here with these manual laborers. What she really needs, I think, is some jewelry that can go from super fancy to super casual. Then she can walk off the helicopter in the fancy schmancy, but then do a little changeroo of the outfit and she still looks cash. Is there anything like that? Of course there is. And Ana Luisa is your one-stop shop for that. AnnaLuisa.com, that's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A.com, has some of the most timeless, chic, and just plain pretty jewelry pieces that I have browsed in many a moon in my quest for quality jewelry. And right now, if you visit shop.analuisa.com forward slash date dateline, you can get 60% off your second item purchase. So that's buy one, get the second one 60% off. It's an incredible sale with prices starting as low as $39 for conscious luxury jewelry. Jewelry that I think even Patricia would appreciate. Mm-hmm. We are now entering that time of year where gifts are given and thoughtful gifts can get a tear from the person that you love and want to get a tear from. I was able to get a really special necklace for my sister this year that I feel like she's going to love and might get multiple tears out of both eyes. I can't wait. I gave her the (laughs) Suzanne earrings for her birthday. Come to find out a week ago, she lost one. So it looks like I will be putting in another Yay. order to Anna Luisa so that I can replace it because she wore them all the time. Did she really lose them or does she just want another? She pretending. So now she's going to have three and I'm hoping that she finds the other one and then she'll have one and a backup. That's kind of my plan for this in case she loses one. Or double pierce one side. There you go. But the Suzanne earrings are beautiful. They're those perfect little hugger earrings for your earlobes with little tiny stones in them. They're very precious, very delicate. This is the kind of stuff that Anna Luisa has. It's perfect jewelry for a t-shirt or for a little black cocktail dress. And Anna Luisa is just the best at that. They make jewelry that works with dressing up, dressing down. It's really hard to do. And they have new collections released every Friday. So there's always a reason to keep checking back at shop.analuisa.com forward slash date dateline for gorgeous new pieces. Anna Luisa was founded to bring clarity to the jewelry industry. They design pieces with a beautiful story from beginning to end, starting with recycled materials whenever possible, transparent business practices always, and small batches that are kind to the earth. Limited batches ensure the highest production standards while eliminating excessive waste. 
Anna Luisa also offset 100% of their carbon emissions, starting with sourcing all of their raw materials all the way to the disposal of their pieces. They have exceptional quality, long-lasting jewelry crafted with care from the best noble metals, and they offer a 365-day warranty. What are you waiting for? When trying to figure out gifts this season for yourself or for those you love, you must check out AnnaLuisa.com. That's shopanaluisa, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A dot com forward slash date dateline for their biggest sale of the year. Buy one item for someone you love on your list and get 60% off something for you. That's amazing. Don't wait. Go shop now at analuisa.com. Yay, I will. Thank you, Anna Luisa. So Patricia tried to make decisions at Gucci. She has no actual position at Gucci, but she sort of thought she was the unofficial head of Gucci. So she's trying to make business decisions there. She basically just wanted the company to make as much as money as possible. She wanted more money. She never had enough money. So she wanted more and more. When Rodolfo died, Mauricio inherited half the company and he had more shares than Uncle Aldo at this point. Aldo, who built a lot of the important branches and was a big shot, he didn't want to share control. And apparently Aldo was difficult. He could transform a caress into a scratch, which I thought was beautiful. He fought with everyone. The whole company had infighting and he was kind of at the center of it. At one board meeting, Aldo didn't want his son, Paolo, recording the meeting. And so he smashed the tape recorder and then got into a fist fight with his very own son, at which point Mauricio tried to intervene and got punched in the face. Sounds like my family's Thanksgiving this year. Aldo and his sons publicly accused Mauricio of dodging millions of dollars in taxes. They were trying to ruin him so that they could get control of the company. So now it's Aldo and his sons versus Mauricio. Police believe that Mauricio is doing tax evasion, so they try to arrest him. But in a very dramatic James Bond twist, Mauricio gets some help from his personal driver, Luigi, And he helped him escape to Mauricio's private villa in Switzerland on a motorcycle. How badass is that? I love it. It sounds like a movie. It's so cool. It sounds like the Italian job. It does. Mauricio plotted his revenge against Aldo and the sons. He identifies a weakness. One of Aldo's sons was not happy with Aldo. And he is able to be convinced to giving his shares, selling his shares to Mauricio. So then that takes away even more power from each of the sons. And one by one, he got all of them to take the money and run, basically turn their back on the company because they really had no power in the company anymore. And so Mauricio technically chose the company over family, but I kind of feel like they started it. So I don't think it's that bad. Aldo died a bitter man in 1990 and Mauricio got the cold shoulder at the funeral. But I was very impressed that he went. I thought it was a classy move that he showed up. But isn't it also very strong in Italian families? Family is family. So no matter what, it's so much greater disrespect to not go. Right. Five years after this, Mauricio was murdered. So police are obviously going to look at Aldo's side of the family. 
right after Mauricio took control of the company, he owed tens of millions of dollars to the banks because he had to buy those shares of the company and he was spending extravagantly. So he owes all this money to the banks. The banks are going to seize his shares of the company that he just won control of. But suddenly he has the money to pay off his debts. I could not believe that this is real life. He reached out to an alleged terrorist and millionaire, Delfo Zorzi. I swear you can't make this up. This is insane. So Mauricio got a personal loan from Zorzi for $40 million. I feel so stressed if I owe someone $40. I can't imagine the pressure of owing someone $40 million. But for what? What was the collateral he put up for that loan is what I don't understand. Was it the business? Well, he let Zorzi be the like only official seller of Gucci products in the Middle East where he was living. That's what it was. Okay, there we go. They're also so police are looking at Zorzi. They're also looking at Patricia. Apparently, their marriage had started to crack before he was murdered. He was getting annoyed that she wanted to call all the shots. And there's someone else because there's always someone else. He liked Sherry from the regatta and the renovation, renovation, renovations, refurbishing, renovations, renovations, the renovations of the wooden ship. Of course he did. Did you see her? Yeah, she's beautiful. She's also real. What he called real, which annoys me. They bring that up multiple times, which I feel weird about being told over and over this. I'm like, okay, I understand that you're down to earth and you don't wear makeup. Yeah. That doesn't mean that someone who does wear makeup and enjoys fancy clothes is not real. But that's, I get it. Right. They did say it a lot, right? There's this couple on Below Deck. They say things a lot like, you don't seem present right now. Yeah, I got it. Where'd you go? I'm just trying to, I'm outside of my body right now. I'm very in my head right now. I'm just trying to be present with you. Your energy just feels off to me right now. No. They say every conversation they have like this, everyone else on the boat hates them and wants them to break up. Yeah. Because it's almost, it's just as bad when they're happy and together because then they say things like, my soul is, feels your soul and then it's gross. And then it's just as bad when they're fighting and it's like, you're just not being... I'm yourself. I just don't recognize this person. Your aura is so off right now. Be present with me. Where'd you go, boo? I don't like it. But I'm sorry. And I'm not being negative. The saying Sherry is like that in any kind of a way. But she mentions it. Other people mention like that she is very down to earth. But they don't say that. No, they say they do not say down to earth. They say she's a real person. And she's not impressed by his wealth and his fanciness. And that's what Patricia was all about, basically. So she's kind of the opposite. And they started having an affair. He complained that Patricia was unkind and he wanted out of the marriage. Also, stop. I'm so sorry. But Sherry is also 25 years old when they start having an affair. Yeah, she's quite a bit young. So I do feel like that needs to, I understand the real part of it, but I also have to think that in Patricia's eyes, what this would be is my husband is leaving me for a much younger model, right? Right. Yeah. Not someone who's real. 
he's leaving me for someone, not someone who wears boating shoes and chapstick. He's leaving me for someone who's 25. That's going to be that big player in Patricia's head. I think that is what it would feel like 100%. Whereas in reality, he had been so domineered by his father his whole life and told what to do. And then he married someone who was just as domineering and he wanted to control his own life for once. And Sherry kind of let him do that. A hundred percent. But what Patricia is going to see is that one fact. Oh, that hot blonde over there you're marrying. Yeah. So one day he decides enough is enough. I am going to tell her straight to her face that I want a divorce. No, that totally doesn't happen. He packs his suitcase and goes out of town for business. And then the next day sends a friend to the apartment to tell Patricia that he's not coming back. He was too scared to tell her in person, which says a lot about her and about him. She's like Omarosa. (laughs) She is like Omarosa. There's a really funny drag race moment where Ross Matthews, who was on U.S. Celebrity Big Brother with Omarosa, he was he's talking about her and he says, this is how she should behave because someone is portraying her on stage. And he's like, Omarosa's like this. And he's like, and trust me, I won't say anything bad about Omarosa. And Tiffany New York Pollard goes, because you're scared of her. And he goes, because I'm scared of her. And it's just, it's this perfect moment that like, oh yeah, I could see that. I could see Roth Matthews being absolutely terrified by Omarosa. That makes complete sense to me. But What I don't get is this person who's fathered two children and has been married for over a decade with this woman, the cruelty of sending someone to the house to do this. But also then, is she that bad? Then she's that bad that you're that scared of her, that you feel like if you have this conversation to her face, she's either going to A, change your mind or throw a very expensive vase at your head. Or push you out the window. She might kill you. You think he was worried for his life at that time? I feel like no. I think he was more worried. I think he more just didn't want to do the conflict. We find out later that he was worried for his life, but because of someone else. Okay. So I think, I honestly think she was that scary. I think she was like, even if she just throws her shoe at him and it pokes him in the eye, that's bad. So, But in what way scary? Is he scared because he's just so tired of having these arguments? that he knows this is going to be a huge one? I think no one crosses her and she always gets what she wants. So either she's going to force him somehow to stay or she's going to be like, if I can't have you, no one can have you. Okay. So, but I do love the, like, basically he sent a friend like in junior high. Do you want a divorce? Check yes or no. And he's already checked yes. It's like just faster than no. Right. So... Mauricio was now free from his dad and free from his wife's pressure. So he was with Sherry. He was now living large. He was free. He smuggled in truffles into New York City past customs because that's what bad boys do. Rich bad boys smuggle in fancy foods. I don't know. In the time of Studio 54 and cocaine, I feel like smuggling truffles is adorable. It's adorable. It's compared to what not nice, mean, like rich, bad people do, like the Murdochs. They just kill their housekeeper and get away with it. Or like blood diamonds. Yeah, totally. Like trafficking of substances and people. And he's just like, well, there are some truffles. He like pulls out this little jar and it's got a truffle and they'd shave it on things. And they're Swiss 
house, Swiss Alps house. Yeah, ridiculous. Exactly. It's it is. It's very cute. So Patricia is harassing him and freaking him and Sherry out, showing up wherever they would be and also keeping him from seeing his daughters. Sherry got tired of the drama and they broke up. They make it sound like she broke up with him right away, but she did last five years with all the drama. I feel like there would have been a way for him to get away if he had just paid her. Yeah, she really wanted money. She wanted to to keep the name. If there was something, she was keeping that Gucci name no matter what. So give her a small stake in the company. Yeah, she would have loved that. Make her sign an ironclad contract that, you know, she gets this percentage for life of the company, of the sales. Mm -hmm. Don't let her sit on the board. You know, give her something that's attractive enough so that she'll let you see your kids. She'll let you walk away. Yeah. I don't know if she's one of those people where you give them an inch and they take a mile. She might try to oust you off the board of the company if she even had one foot in the door. She might be able to finagle and make deals and get you out. I was more thinking she would only be silent. She would not be sitting on the board. She would be in money only. I don't think she's capable of being silent. Yeah. Because she was trying to run that company even when she had no claim in it. So if you give her an actual claim in the company, she's showing up at those board meetings, whether you want her there or not. Yeah, because it's not just that she wants to be rich. I mean, I know it it seems like it's a lot about money, but it's also about the name and the power. She wants to be in the power couple. And now half the power couple is off with Sherry with truffles. So after he and Sherry break up, Mauricio starts dating an Italian interior designer, Paola Frank. And Patricia, what? Frank, really? Oh, maybe it was French, Frenchy. Sorry, it might have autocorrected to Frank. Apologies. Oh, okay, Franchi. Franchi. Patricia was furious because she thought that Paolo was a gold digger. So kettle black. Mauricio and Paola actually get pretty serious and they move in together in Milan. At this point, Patricia develops a brain tumor and was devastated when Mauricio didn't visit her in the hospital. He instead sent flowers that just said his name, which is a baller move. It would be even more passive aggressive if they were her least favorite flowers. You know how Madonna is like, I loathe hydrangeas. And he sent her just a bunch of hydrangeas. That's a huge middle finger. And then just on the initials, MG. Yes. Yeah. And it's like a dash. There's no heart. There's no from comma. It's just like dash. It's an ouch. Yeah. Yeah. So Natalie says, Natalie Morales gives us a wonderful line. The tumor turned out to be benign, but Patricia's anger was malignant. Yes, Natalie. It's a shame she's leaving because that was a Keith or Mank worthy line. I was impressed. It is a shame. I'm going to miss her, even though I can't recognize her. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. So in 1993, Mauricio lost Gucci. I was shocked about this. I did not realize any of this happened. The company was broke because Mauricio, he had a lot of vision, but he wasn't good at executing it. So he had focused on getting rid of the cheaper products that people could actually afford to buy and was focusing on the stuff that cost like $3,000 that very few people could buy. So the company was broke. And he is ousted. And Patricia is pissed because she feels like he lost her company. 
She felt like it was a personal attack on her, that it was this company that she had built from her hands up. No, she didn't. No, she she married into it. But still, she felt like it was her company and he lost it. So it's been at this point, present tense, a year since the murder, no arrest. Police are looking into the terrorist guy that is living in Japan. And he tells investigators that Gucci paid him back 40 million. He had no reason to kill him. So the terrorist was a red herring. And later he's also cleared of terrorism too. So he's hashtag winning. Investigators also look into Aldo's family, also red herrings, since they're Italian, more like red pasta primaveras. Sorry, that was a dumb joke. But <laughs> pick a red animal, at least. Red. I don't know an Italian animal. I don't know an Italian animal. I think you're fine with red sauce. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's a red sauce. Yeah. Why did I pick pasta primavera? It's not even a red sauce. A red marinara. Bolognese. Something. What it was I thinking? I'm not sure. It's all right. Keep going. Jeez. So what about Mrs. Gucci, Patricia? She is wearing a black veil at his funeral. Very wife of a mafia guy. Very Liz Taylor. Very Liz Taylor. In that era. (laughs) So she very publicly became the widow again, even though they are divorced. She was like the publicly grieving widow and tabloids start to call her a black widow. Were they divorced? He filed for divorce. Filed for divorce. Yes. No, they were divorced. Okay. Yeah. Apparently a friend had called to tell Patricia the news of his death. And she said, Mauricio may have died, but I have just begun to live. So that's not good. Why does she speak in idioms all the time? What's happening with her? Okay. This is not the first time I will be suggesting a career path for her, a book of poetry, because she's right. She speaks in these idioms that are, and these disses, I've, it's like a rap battle. These disses that she comes up with later, man, she is away with words. So not necessarily a poetry book, but perhaps a flip a day. Yes. An insult a day calendar. 365. But it could go back and forth between inspirational and insults. Insult sprationals. Oh, I like that. Depending on what you're in the mood for or whatever you get that day is what your mood is. Whatever you get that day. It's a smorgasbord. It's a surprise. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I really do like it. TM. (laughs) I feel like she could write like a don't sweat the small stuff, but and it's all small stuff type book. She'd be like. I think she'd write the opposite of that. Absolutely sweat the small stuff or just called they're doing you wrong. They're cheating you. You're being cheated. Yeah. This is not the first time that she says something out loud that should have been an inside voice type of thing. She's rich. Rich people can say what they think on the inside, on the outside. You got it. So investigators find a recorded message that she left for Mauricio saying, your daughters despise you. (laughs) This is a good one. You are a deformed outgrowth a painful appendix that we all want to forget. Wow. That's for the flip a day calendar. That's pretty good. Absolutely. I mean, can you, I could be driving, someone cuts me off in traffic and I call them a deformed outgrowth, a painful appendix that I want to forget. You're going to be able to get all that out the window in time? No, I won't. No. 
I'm going to have to make a sign and hold it up for them to see. You're going to be leading out. What's your email? <laughs> I need to send you what's your email. A Gmail? Wait, a Gmail? Hotmail? Dot org? Who do you work for? Yahoo? Is it with a K or a C? C or a K? Dot edu? You're teaching children? <laughs> I would love that so much. And then you email them your sentiments. Is it a F-O-R-4 or is it the number four? I need to send you something. <laughs> it's thoughts I have about what you just did to me. <laughs> I'm also going to send you a joke of the day because I have a really good joke of the day email thread that I'm on. I'm going to forward you those. Forwards. 31 reasons why your husband is like your dog. Oh, man. I get those emails from relatives sometimes. I think I've mentioned that. Your husband is like your dog. They're so dumb. All those email chains that are those jokes like that. Oh, I don't open emails, but wow. Jokes that Jews say at Passover. See, that's not, I would like that. I would enjoy that, but I do not want 31. I do not want 31 things that compare. Puns your rabbi might say. Why menopause is like this. No, no, no one wants that. Some people do. And on King of the Hill, Carrie sent Doug an email thread of these jokes. And he's like, what is this that you just sent me? She's like, isn't that funny? They're funny bumper stickers. On King of the Hill? Uh, King of the Queens. Sorry. Oh, I was like, Carrie and Doug, who? She's like, they're funny bumper stickers. You know, give me coffee or nobody gets hurt. Isn't that funny? And he's like, what? She's like, it's funny. It's a joke. And he's like, who are you? She's like, okay, fine. So we don't have the same sense of humor. It's like, don't have the same sense. I don't think we should be married anymore. I have to go. I can't. I'll talk to you later. I can't. Who are you? But that's sad. It's really sad when you realize you don't have the same sense of humor as someone. And you're like, oh, you can't be friends now. So Mauricio has sold his shares of Gucci for $135 million. So in case you were thinking, oh, he's so broke. He lost Gucci. He still has $135 million, but he's spending it. He's renovating his new apartment where he's living with Paolo. He has the wooden ship. And he has properties and he has business ventures. So Patricia is scared that he's going to run out of money. And Patricia had famously said of her $1 million a year in alimony that it was nothing more than a plate of lentils. She obviously doesn't know how much protein and fiber are in lentils. They are worth their weight in gold to a vegetarian. But also... $1 million a year in alimony. Wow. But it wasn't nearly enough for her. And so she doesn't want him running out of money. So that just tells you how much she's spending a month. So what is she spending a month? 300 grand? And again, this is in the 80s. I don't know what that means, but. What could she possibly, I'm fascinated, like what she could be buying. Clothes. But you'd have so many. Well, no, not. okay. I'm trying to think because I don't spend very much on clothes. If I was to buy everything at retail price. She's living like a movie star slash royal who isn't allowed to wear the same outfit in public more than once. Every outfit must be designer. You could drop 10 grand a day. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of lentils, another great source of protein that is also worth a million dollars a year, but costs just a fraction 
are monk pack bars. Yes, they're delicious. They are delicious. I would not, I was going to say I would not trade my monk pack bars for a million dollars. I'm not going to say that because that would be inauthentic. But for a hundred dollars. I'm quote real. So, (laughs) but I'm saying that I would spend more on monk pack than I currently do just to get them. Yeah. They are absolutely worth almost any price to me. I love them that much. Mm -hmm. Healthy snacks have a really bad reputation, especially in my house. And let's be honest, most don't taste very good, hence why they have a bad reputation. They don't fill you up. They certainly don't satisfy your cravings and they sometimes just don't taste good. Mm -hmm. That's why we are so excited to tell you about Monk Pack. Monk Pack makes snacks that taste like your favorite sugary treats, but with one gram of sugar or less. And Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars have two to three grams of net carbs and they're only 150 calories. They're amazing for anyone following a keto lifestyle. They're the perfect snack for anyone who is trying to eat better or cut back on sugar like me in 2020, 2021, and in the future in 2022. (laughs) But without sacrificing taste, which I very much appreciate. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars have the perfect balance of sweet and salty crunch from whole nut and seeds, but still manage to be soft and chewy. And they come in delicious flavors like sea salt, dark chocolate, caramel sea salt, peanut butter, dark chocolate, Mm. macadamia, white chocolate, Mm. pumpkin seed, cinnamon, almond, Mm. which is both festive and delicious. Or you can try six at once in their variety pack and decide your favorite. I love a variety pack. They're perfect for a quick snack on the go to satisfy your sweet tooth without worrying about your sugar intake. But they also don't leave you with that nasty aftertaste that some low sugar snacks can have. That weird tinny aftertaste that makes your mouth feel like you've been sucking on a penny. I really don't like that. Enjoy Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars as a quick breakfast while running errands or just sitting in front of your computer editing a podcast or avoiding editing a podcast. In addition to being keto-friendly, the bars are also gluten-free, plant-based, and non-GMO with no soy, trans fat, sugar, alcohols, or artificial colors. We are totally obsessed with Monk Pack. To make sure we're both always fully stocked, we've signed up for subscriptions to our favorite flavors, which saves 10% on every order and ships them automatically. Getting these delicious treats delivered on a regular basis has been a complete game changer in my effort to eat healthier. And also, it's just something really nice to get in the mail. Yeah, it's like a present. It's like a delicious present, and but then you have to not eat them all at once, which can sometimes be a problem. Try for yourself and you'll see. We have a really special deal for our listeners. You can get 20% off your first order of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code DATEDATELINE at checkout. And Monk Pack is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if for some crazy reason you don't like it, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. Pretty sure you're just going to eat the whole box. Mm-hmm. That will not be necessary. To get started, just go to monkpack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com and select any product. Then enter code date dateline at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Monkpack is delicious, nutritious food you can count on. Monkpack keto, nut and seed. Doot, 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 doot. Now for the holidays. <laughs> Monkpack. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> oh, a good stocking stuffer is Monk Pack Bars. It's actually a great stocking stuffer. Yeah. So Patricia is, again, publicly saying really bad things about her ex, Mauricio. 
She is calling him a bad husband, a bad businessman, saying he's weak. He's get ready for another edition of the calendar. This could take up all of December. This quote, he is like a seat cushion that keeps the imprints of the last person that sits on it. I love that one. (laughs) She should TM all of these because she could make a fortune. Like also I leave an imprint on my couch. And so I felt a little, it stung. Everybody leaves an imprint everywhere. I have an imprint in this chair. I have an imprint in the car. I have an imprint all over the place. That is not, you are not alone. Also, the cats leave an imprint. Okay, that makes me feel better. Okay, good. That's such a random, specific insult. It's glorious because it's so specific. It's so specific. It's why it's so good. And it cuts more. Yeah, I almost wish she had said like, a velour seat, like a, you know, like it had been even more specific, like with the fabric of the cushion or something. Like It's so good. It's so good. It's like when you, it's like when someone hones in on something that you, they can just figure out what that person is the most self-conscious about and hone in on it. You know, that's mm-hmm. the thing. It's always totally. like, oh, that's what kids and teenagers are really good at. I think that's a John Mulaney bit. They have this ability to just point out exactly what you're just mo- like, why you're so scared of teenagers because you're terrified of what they're going to say. Yeah, because they're going to be like, is that a man? I don't know. We don't know what they're going to say. So we just have to stay away. So now that Mauricio is dead, his daughters have inherited his fancy apartment that he lived in with Paola. The day after he died, Patricia shows up with an eviction notice for Paola the day after he died. And the letter was drafted by a lawyer only hours after the murder. So she was so upset by his murder. She went to her lawyer and got him to um, evict his girlfriend that he's living with. I think her rage at the girlfriend topped the grief of the the man she once loved and the father of her children. Yeah. Oh, so Patricia's lawyer says to the police, I shouldn't be telling you this because I'm her lawyer and all, but she has been looking for a hitman. Her lawyer narks on her to the police. Also, don't ask your lawyer for a hitman. Just because you think you have confidentiality agreement with your lawyer, he still might go to the police if you're asking for a hitman. It's just rich people. She's just rich. But she wasn't always rich. I mean, she always had money, but she wasn't always that rich. So she's always had money. So she's always had some level of that rich cushion around her, right? And now that cushion's got even thicker. Yeah. So she just really thinks she's impenetrable. She is like, it's a banana, Michael. What could it cost? $10? She's very Lucille Bluth. Yes, ma'am. Other people come forward to the investigators and say, oh, yeah, she also asked us about hiring a hitman. She is asking everybody. It's hard to find a hitman, I guess. She was wildly indiscreet. She loves to talk. So investigators bug her phone. They find out she's friends with a woman named Pina Oriema. Close? Okay, good. I got a thumbs up. She's a mysterious middle-class woman. I love that they have to point that out. They do kind of. Because it does make a difference in this case. I appreciate that it was hard to describe, but thank you for trying. 
Yeah, she's from Naples. And if you're wondering why Pina and Patricia are friends, so were the investigators. They apparently met on an island vacation. They became like sisters. They both kind of felt like outsiders because Patricia had always felt like an outsider, even in that circle. Also, Italians from the North, we learn, are very suspicious of Italians from the South because they think that people in Naples are all mafia, apparently. Save your letters. That is Dateline telling us this, not Katie and Kimberly saying this. Yeah, we wouldn't know that. It's a lady on Dateline who's saying that they think all people from Naples are mafia. So the investigators are like, ooh, she's friends with a woman from Naples. Mafia. Okay. But Pina is not mafia. She's like a middle-class woman who owned a Gucci store, which is very strange. Twist of fate. Interesting. And also she's a psychic. So- This episode really does have everything. You didn't think it had everything before. It also has a psychic. And it's not just Patricia that believes that she's a psychic. Apparently, when Maurizio was alive, he also really believed that she had powers. So one time she thought that there was going to be a plane crash. So she told him, don't let your business partner go on this trip. So Mauricio made him stay home because he thought there was going to be a plane crash because what Pina said. And he had told Sherry, one of the reasons I've been so scared to leave and divorce Patricia is because she's such good friends with Pina. Pina has these powers. She's going to come after me because she's going to chase me down. She's going to put a hex on me. She is going to get revenge on me for Patricia. So he was always looking over his shoulder for Pina. One time his boat broke, which is shocking that a mast broke because they spent $25 million on that boat, but a mast broke and they thought it was Pina putting a curse on it. So they had to get the boat exercised. That might've been when Sherry was like, I'm out. No, thanks. I feel like it is. Can't do this anymore. Yeah. I feel like it is when the exorcism for the boat came. She doesn't say that. Yeah, I think it was the exorcism. It's like, well, now we're just wasting money. Yeah, exactly. So Mauricio thought that Pina had a doll, like a voodoo doll, and was cursing him, putting pins in it. Basically, Patricia was the Black Widow. Pina, the Black Witch. Oh, boy. Which I'm taking now. The Black Witch. Also, in the words of RuPaul, why has it got to be Black? That's a whole other thing. Great points. Great point. Yeah. I need to Pina and her powers. And I really want to call her Pina Butter. I'm trying really hard (laughs) not to, but powerful Pina. And she smokes like a chimney. Makes her look more like a witch. (laughs) It adds to the effect. Yeah. The smokers. I did not doubt it at all. When they start showing pictures of her, I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would be scared to be in an elevator alone with her. That all checks. Yeah. If she started muttering under her breath, I might freak out. Oh my God, if anyone watches Jersey Shore Family Reunion or Family Vacation, Angelina has a grandma who looks like a crazy witch and she is the most terrifying person and she is, they think she's psychic and she just gives Jenny a look at the wedding and Jenny's terrified, like she's cursed. It's insane. Like you, th- she's, she starts crying. Like she's so scared. You gotta see this woman. Oh, I know. I've seen that. I know what you're talking about. This woman and Angelina's family and like Jenny has to like bow down and kiss the ring. But then doesn't she turn out to be really nice? 
she Jenny has to like apologize and be like, okay, I'm a nice person. Please don't curse me. And be really nice to her. And then the, she comes along. New goal for being older. Be someone that people think is a witch. I want to be a little bit terrifying. Yeah. So that people are just unsure. I want people to be unsure enough that everyone is extra nice to me and I get lots of monk pack bars. People bring me things. You just want the neighborhood kids to wheel their bicycles across the street when they're passing by on your street. Yeah. Oh, we don't mess with that house. That one woman lives there. To just like go on the other side of the street. Yeah. And by that time, I'll have 44 cats. (laughs) Yeah. And Oliver will sometimes come outside, peek his head out and then come back in. (laughs) And then I'll just sit in the window. This is great. New, new goal, new plan. Yeah. And they'll be like, have you ever seen her? No, I, but I heard that she has a hunchback and um, a toad. And Are you saying that because I have my heating pad on? No. It does make me look like I have a hunchback on. <laughs> no, not at all. Make fun of me. No. So there's a poor, seedy part of Milan that's very close to the rich fashion district. And in a one-star hotel there, everything went down. Oh, boy. A guest of the one-star hotel, which they keep telling us one-star hotel, claims to be a big deal drug dealer. And the hotel clerk says, oh, yeah, you think you're a big shot? I was involved in Mauricio Gucci's murder. Like, why are you talking? None of these people should be talking. Well, like, obviously, the the big-time drug dealer isn't staying in a one-star hotel. Get a clue. Right, right. Unfortunately, the drug dealer is not a drug dealer and is instead the type of loser that would pretend to be a drug dealer because he thought it was cool. And he gets scared when he hears about this murder and he goes to the police. He meets with an investigator in the middle of this very seedy park in the middle of the night, like deep throat style. And for some reason, they put Natalie Morales in the park. And I was not happy, even though there are cameras and lights. It's very dark. And I was scared. This is like when Andrea was hanging off a cliff. Just keep our hosts out of dangerous situations, please. So he agrees to wear a wire. The hotel clerk introduces the fake drug dealer to two guys that were in on this plot. There's a retired pizzeria owner because Italy and a former mechanic. So police surveil these two guys. Also, the retired pizzeria owner is in his 70s. Yes. So that's confusing. Police surveil them and they hear them discussing the murder. Apparently, the pizza guy got the getaway car and the mechanic is the one who shot Maurizio. Who put them up to it, though, you ask? It was the witch. No, actually, they say it was Patricia, the Black Widow. But I didn't buy that. Oh, you didn't buy that. When they asked in Dateline, I was like, oh, the witch did it. Yeah. So Patricia is the one who put them up to it. She paid them $90,000 in advance and a quarter of a million dollars after, which is so very high for a hitman price. Someone add it to the spreadsheet. It's on our website. Liv made it. Thank you, Liv. And anyone can add to it when you hear a hitman price and we can all have a communal learning space. So when the gang after the murder hears, and I call them a gang, they're not a gang, but just a pizzeria guy and a mechanic and a hotel clerk. So 
the gang hears about how much the daughters inherited from Mauricio and they realize there's a lot more money on the table. So they get greedy. They decide to blackmail Patricia for more money. Police hear Pina talking to the hotel clerk about how are we going to ask Patricia for more money. So apparently Pina is totally in on it and she is trying to extort her BFF Patricia for more money. Would you say that Pina has to butter her up? (laughs) (laughs) Would you just say that? I would. Uh, Yeah, it's yeah, I would say. Okay, good. Just making sure. Police arrest the whole gang. They show up to Patricia's and she is in a floor length fur coat and makeup with very much a don't you know who I am attitude. Also, she fully has Kris Jenner hair at this point. But at the same time, when you she doesn't have makeup on, she looks kind of like a weird, awkward teenage boy. It's fluffier than Kris Jenner. Sometimes it's fluffier. Sometimes. Yeah. But sometimes it's not. So Natalie goes to see the courtroom where the trial takes place. There's a cage for defendants, which Natalie was a sport about and got in for some Twitter pictures. I felt weird about that cage. It felt like old timey England. But I mean, this is old Europe. So I guess. Yeah. You remember on Broadchurch in the second season when they're in that trial and he is in this like circular cage thing. Yes. Yeah. So it was the trial of the century, even though Katie and Kimberly completely missed it. By the way, Versace died in 97. Okay. So this was first. Yeah, this was first. It was very big, though. And so the two dudes, the mechanic and the pizzeria guy, they confess and they flip on Patricia. Because there's no honor among thieves and pizza making hitmen. One guy says, I was worried about going through with it. And Patricia tried to convince me by saying, if they catch you, I'm going to paper your cell in gold. She does have a way with the words, I have to say. She's like, I'm still going to pay you. I'm going to pay your children. I'm going to pay your children's children. Your family will be set. So do this. Yeah, I would buy it. Yeah. Patricia had incriminated herself. In a diary, which was not just a diary that you might get at Claire's that has one of those little locks that you can just break apart by pulling really hard. It is a Cartier diary because, of course, I know what you're getting for Hanukkah. (laughs) She wrote in it, there are no crimes that money can't buy. And then she has so many idioms. Yeah, she really does. Sweet Lord. They all could be on T-shirts or mugs. I feel like coffee mugs. Why are you uh, seeing the count? The 365 a day thing. But I think we can expand even further. I'm saying put it on everything. I'll call Vista print. Well, let's start with that and see how it goes. Normally, I'm the one that's overdoing it. No, I'm going to call Vista print tomorrow. I'm going to get them on the horn. And say we've got a lot of quotes, but they are not ours. They're from a Gucci who might be a murderer. Can you put us in touch with your lawyer? And they're going to be like, um, who are you? <laughs> so also in the diary is what they feel like is even more incriminating than there are no crimes that money can't buy. On the day that Mauricio was shot, she wrote one word, paradise. So that's not good. Then Natalie says... The prosecution goes for their coup de gras, which I totally missed because I'm only used to hearing Dennis say it. And our dear, dear friend and listener, Charles, had to tell me 
that she said it. And he even gave me the timestamp for when she said it. I'm really embarrassed that I missed it, Charles. Thank you. So prosecution puts their coup de gras, which is Pina taking the stand. She is flipping on Patricia as well. Pina sits down with Dateline two decades later. Currently, I was shocked. Pina sits down with Dateline. She's gone like white blonde. She's wearing a shirt with elephants on it. A dress with elephants on it. A dress with elephants on it, which is funny because elephants remember everything. She's like, I remember everything. I never forget. Yeah. She looks like a different person. She looks like whatever possible witch demon was inhabiting her body a long time ago has left. Right. It wasn't that she dyed her hair blonde. It was literally the demon left and she woke up and her hair was blonde like on Twin Peaks. You know, when he like wakes up and his hair has gone white. Yeah. That's what happened. I forgot about that. She just looks much sweeter. She looks like a sweet grandma. She does. She looks like her grandma now. But I would like to see her smoking because it's really the way she smokes that it looks like dragon's breath is coming out and that she's going to kill you. So she says... Patricia was furious that Mauricio was dating other women, but she was mostly angry about losing the Gucci name and the power. That's what triggered her. So she asked Pina to find a trigger man. Nice one, Natalie. I see what you did there. Good job. There we go. Pina played along because she didn't want to piss off Patricia. No one wants to piss off Patricia, not even the witch. Yeah, She was just doing it, though, as a scam to get Patricia's money. It was a double cross. Again, very James Bond. Yeah. She recruits the hotel clerk because he's not a criminal. He doesn't know how to shoot a gun. I don't actually want Mauricio to get murdered. So we're just going to play along. She's going to think I hired this guy and then she'll forget about it. We're just going to wait until she forgets about it because people who want someone dead always forget that they want someone dead. Naturally. Yeah. So the hotel clerk doesn't really understand that it's supposed to be just a game, just a stalling tactic until Patricia forgets because he goes to the pizza guy and the pizza guy goes to the mechanic and the mechanic gets a gun. So this plot is becoming very real. And Patricia is getting impatient that it's taking so long. So she cuts Pina out of the picture. This is what Pina says and meets with the gang without her. So Pina didn't know anything about the deal, like exactly what the money situation was. She didn't know when the murder was going to happen. She's innocent per what she's telling Dateline. Sure, Pina. But after the murder, she did agree to go and pay them with Patricia's money. So she explains that by saying, well, I was weak and I caved to Patricia like I always did, like an idiot. Okay. What did you think about that? I don't buy it for a second. Any of it. I think she knew exactly what was going on. Well, I did kind of buy it for at first. When she was saying that she sort of thought, well, yeah, I'll kind of go do this. Go talk to the only two other people I know. I do think she knew more people Mm -hmm. than just these couple of guys. One of them working, you know, oh, used to own a pizza shop. It does seem strange that she picked like the worst hitman she possibly could. Which does make her story more viable that she did pick these people that she didn't think it would happen. So it does look like she was maybe her friends a little 
forceful. Uh huh. And so she had to kind of do it to calm her friend down. But I think maybe she was also hoping that things would settle, not that she was going to forget. I think that was a misspoken. Mm-hmm. More that things were going to settle down and maybe Patricia would find a new gentleman to start dating, something like that, that it would just go by the wayside or it would just take so long, you know, that she could drag it out more. And I don't know if anyone will ever really know exactly what happened. Also, she's hard to not believe now. Yeah, because she looks like a nice grandma. Very credible. Yeah. Patricia's defense says what actually happened was Pina was the brains of the whole thing. It wasn't Patricia. What happened was Pina arranged the murder of Maurizio and then said to Patricia, you better pay us all this money or we're going to pin the murder on you. So essentially a blackmail situation. And there is a letter that Patricia wrote to a friend that says, Pina murdered Maurizio and blackmailed me. But of course, that's what she would be saying because that's what her defense ends up being. So the pizza guy says the day before the murder, Pina called him and said, Mauricio is back in town, which is how he knew it was time for him to go kill him, which makes Pina's story look bad because she said she didn't know when the murder was going to happen. She was cut out of the loop at this point, but apparently she was still the go-to in-between person at this point. So. If the pizza guy is telling the truth, who knows who's telling the truth? But what does the pizza guy have to lose? He's already pleaded guilty. Right. And his deal was he would flip on Patricia and put it all on her. But he's still putting it on Pina. So that kind of makes me believe him because his deal was to pin it on Patricia. But he's still saying Pina was still totally involved. She gave us the money. She told us when to do it. Which means, you know, it's true because he would not want to lie about the witch. Yeah, she has those powers. So the defense says Pina used her psychic abilities to control Patricia. So Pina says to Natalie, I didn't use my psychic abilities to control Patricia. I don't even believe in those kind of things. I can't see the future. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been arrested for murder. And I was like, no one's saying you actually are a psychic, Pina. They're saying you said that you were a psychic and you used that to control people. And now we know she's lying because A, we've seen the video footage. (laughs) She's clearly a psychic. Evidence number one. Number two, Sherry told us. Remember in Sherry's Real, (laughs) Sherry told us. She's real and she wears topsiders on boats. She doesn't wear heels. Right. So she told us about the exorcism, which was based on something Pina said. So why would Sherry lie about that? No, it's what Mauricio was paranoid about. Because of Pina. Because Pina is saying she's a psychic. But her defense to Natalie is, I'm not a psychic. I don't believe in psychics. But the point is not whether you are a psychic or not. It's whether you were presenting yourself to be a psychic in order to scare and manipulate people. Oh, so you think she's doing a semantics game? Yeah, I think she's trying to pretend, oh, psychics are dumb. I would never do that. You know, I don't even believe in that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think she's full out lying right now. Yeah, there are a bunch of people who say that she said she was a psychic. And so I 100%, yeah, think she's lying. So now I discredit most of her story. Right. Because she's lying about this. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. 
So the defense says Patricia was asking people to kill Maurizio, which they can't dispute what the lawyer said, what all the housekeepers say, which was Patricia tried to get me to find her a hitman. And so the defense doesn't say they're all lying. They say Patricia was trying to find a hitman, but it was because she had that brain tumor and her judgment was affected. Even though it was a benign brain tumor, it was still pushing on whatever, you know, and making her, she didn't really mean it. She didn't really comprehend her actions. She didn't really want him dead. It was the brain tumor talking. So they get her analyzed by a team of psychiatrists who say that she has, surprise, narcissistic personality disorder. No kidding. No, duh. Yeah. And one of the points of that is that when bad things happen to you, it's like a personal attack. And whatever he was doing with his other girlfriends, it was like a personal attack towards her. And anything with the company, personal attack towards her. Patricia testifies, but unfortunately we don't get to see it. But apparently she did pretty well. She says that Pina arranged the whole thing behind her back and then blackmailed her. And she was scared of the gang. So she paid them. Why you would be scared of this pizzeria guy, I still don't know. But will the jury believe the Black Widow or the Black Witch? Patricia is found guilty and given 29 years. Wow. And the prosecutor said she had virtually no reaction when they say she's guilty. The rest of the gang gets time. Patricia gets 29 years. Pina gets 25. I wonder if Patricia had to eat lentils in prison. And Natalie at this point says this odd, odd group of men and women. It was like a comedy of errors. It's really like the hee-haw gang from the Carlton plot. Remember them? But the Italian version. But they actually got the job done. The hee-haw gang. Killing the owner of one of the biggest brands in the world. In the world. They actually got it done. It's like the hee-haw gang killed Calvin Klein. Right, exactly. Yeah. Not that Calvin Klein's like Gucci, but a, a recognizable name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, why? Yeah. Why would you trust these people to kill one of the most important men in Italy? But he wasn't running Gucci at this time. He sold his controlling shares. That's true. But he had a bunch of business ventures that probably would have been successful, even though he wasn't great at business. He had a lot of ideas and he had a lot of businesses and business ideas. Who owns Gucci? Apparently, he brought Tom Ford in and Tom Ford later became Tom Ford. But he started at Gucci. He brought Tom Ford in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no. Tom Ford was designed for Gucci for a long time. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. So Tina and Patricia are in the same prison at this point, but they aren't friends anymore, obviously. That's wild. I wanted them to be friends still, kind of. I was like, dang it. Can you imagine how awkward it is in the lunchroom and you have to decide which woman's side you're on and they're both terrifying. One is a black widow. One is a black witch. Who can kill you worse? The witch. You befriend the witch. They're probably the witch. (laughs) Are you paying attention? Just in case you're ever in this scenario. Always choose the witch. Okay, got it. Witch over rich. Okay, there you go. Can I have my own book of idioms? That's a... I'm writing that down. (laughs) So Pina tells us that in prison, she studied and she worked really hard. But Patricia, she would sleep late and not do anything. She would just wander around. So she's still totally dissing her old best friend, Patricia. Pina says 
what happened to Mauricio still haunts her. And I was like, good. It should. Wait, like actually haunts you? (laughs) That's a valid question. Uh, It is. It's a valid question to ask a witch. Based on her history, that's a valid question. And I'd like an answer. Did, Did Dateline ask that? Was there a thing? No, they didn't. Then we meet Patricia Gucci and not the Patricia Gucci that is most likely a murderer that Lady Gaga plays in the movie. This is the Patricia Gucci, which is her birth name. She is Mauricio's niece and a totally different person. And she is mad at Patricia. She doesn't like the movie because she thinks the movie focuses on all the crimes and the murder instead of the fashion and the being fa- like Vader's and amazing business people. Well, that's a different movie, though. This is about that part of it. Unfortunately, not a movie people want to see because people like movies with murder. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it works. Oh, a lot of fashion people would watch the rise of the brand of Gucci. But not like on the big screen. It would be like a movie on like style network. No, it would be like an art house, but like Gucci's probably one of the most influential brands right now. Yeah, absolutely. So I would think that they'd, I think people would watch it. Wait, you, did you not see Patricia, the real Patricia Gucci earlier in the episode? She's on like a couple times. Yeah, I just cut her out because of um, time. Oh, 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 just, I was confused when she first came on. I just wanted to say that. Because it says Patricia Gucci. And they brush by it very, very quickly that this is the niece of so-and-so. And I was like, you need to be clearer about that and state it several times. Yeah. Well, she said she grew up playing on the floor of the factory and stuff like she was a little girl. So for people that are listening and not <laughs> like really listening, not Katie listening. Yeah, that would be good for you. But she has like the best line. She says, I am Patricia Gucci and I am the original and go girl. I was so impressed. Good for you. Stand up to her. She seems very annoyed with Dateline, though. Well, she's annoyed that the whole story is popular because of the movie and because of the book. And because Dateline is doing this, she probably wants to go on and maybe say some nice things about the family, too. So other people know there were like other sides to it. There were nice, normal people in the family that weren't horrible and fighting. Well, and I think this would be a very annoying now that we know what we know about the other Patricia. I would think right now it'd be very important to come on and show your face and say, mm-hmm. hey, this is who I am. So every time she's not in a bank and they look at her checks and they're like, Patricia Gucci. And she's like, different one. I'm the niece. I'm the good one. Oof. But it's true. It was a company built from nothing and became one of the biggest brands in the world. And that is something aspirational and is a big deal. But it does get overshadowed by the murder which is generally what happens. So Patricia, I assume she was dead because we have heard nothing about her. She is not dead. She was released from prison in 2016 and she walks on the fashion street, which is where he was murdered with a parrot on her shoulder. No joke, a real parrot on her shoulder. And she's smiling for the paparazzi. She loves the attention. She's a narcissist. It's really obvious. And um, more on that when I get to Twitter. She gave an interview recently and says, what I would say to Mauricio is forgive me. But for what? I thought you didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. What? 
Tell us what you want to be forgiven for. Do you own any Gucci? Do you own any knockoff Gucci? I'm actually not sure. Okay. If you do? It is not my brand. Okay. I'm not that I'm not that interested in it. Isn't that weird? It's not, you know, people have their things like I've never really been into Gucci or Louis Vuitton, the LV and the GG. Let's talk about B-roll Bonanza. Let's do it. There's so much movie footage. I do need to know who's producing this movie because NBC got a lot of footage for the movie. It was basically an advertisement. Yeah, 100 percent. My favorite one is the first one we see where she goes to father, son in the house of Gucci. I was like, oh, I'm taking it. Yeah. Father, son in a date with Dateline. (laughs) Consider that stolen, Gaga. We see this runway set. We sure do. So we're seeing a runway show, but it evolves into there's footage of a runway show being projected on the back. And then on the runway, we start to see, well, at first we see a gun and it's like, whoa. And then we see shoes, close up Gucci shoes. Then we see like a handbag. We constantly are seeing these items on this runway set that they have. So Gucci until recently is an accessories brand. It's why we keep seeing all this stuff, right? So at that time, those fine leather goods are like Gucci's bread and peanut butter. That's their thing. So what they're doing is they're doing gallery shots. Like what you'd see in a museum if they're doing a fashion thing. It's like on a white block. Mm -hmm. The weird thing is there's two shoes. There's a red shoe and there's a pink shoe. And then there's a red bag. They're not particularly gorgeous shoes. Did you notice that? Yeah, I noticed that. The producer says like they would send an, another producer to rent these items from Gucci. So she picked a $3,000 handbag, which was the red one, which is, I guess, $3,000. But I, yeah, I agree. The shoes kind of didn't look that amazing. I just don't think they photographed that well. Maybe. Okay. I'm going to give them that. But the bag was beautiful. Because there's a strap kind of on the back that looks kind of droopy. So it would have looked maybe better on someone like on a model than just sitting there. But you do see the Gucci that it says Gucci on the insole. I guess I'm just Gucci made branded loafers, right? There are a couple of style of shoes that Gucci's super famous for. But they're not putting loafers on the runway. Well, they were also men's and women's. Yeah, but they're focusing on the women's. I'm saying you could have picked something with a logo. Also, apparently Natalie Morales was wearing a ton of Gucci. in the Yes, episode. she was. So... We see it when it, they talk about the CD park. They we see a swing set just swinging by itself because there's a ghost on it or a psychic witch. I don't know, but we always see that lone swinging swing. It denotes CD park. It, that represents nighttime, no children because there's the boogeyman is there. Nefarious activity. And we see a tape on a tape recorder like running, like it's playing, but we never hear the audio of any of the recordings and that was kind of frustrating and we see Pina smoking a whole lot and we see Gaga's interview is the most well-lit interview I've ever seen in my life she's so blown out gets this gorgeous angel light yeah well she has white hair too yeah it's bananas we do see Sherry she is in front of a fire but I would have liked some boat shots of Sherry I would have liked to see more boats I would have enjoyed seeing more of the wooden boat Or the regattas. Yeah, the boat was interesting to me. I know you said you didn't care, but I think it was kind of cool. 
No, I love both. The Cartier diary actually did look very fancy. And I loved that setup on the gallery was my favorite when they had the open diary with the really nice pen. And then they had a wine glass and then the red Gucci bag that killed it. Yes, that was a good setup. Yeah. The real Patrizia Gucci at the end is in the outdoor cafe with a huge wine glass. Yeah. That. Do it. She was great. Let's do fashion police. Oh, boy. Let's do it. Yeah. No pressure, Natalie. You're good. You got this. I would hate this. This would drive, this would make me crazy. Yeah. Her opening shot on location in Milan, leather pants, like a puff sleeve jacket. The The strange thing was that she's wearing a low lug sole shoe. She's wearing a loafer, which I believe is a Gucci loafer because there's no other reason why she wouldn't be wearing a heel in that scene. She wears heels the rest of the time, just not in that opening shot. She's wearing a, a short flat shoe. Could also be the cobblestones. Very annoying to walk mm-hmm. on. So she might have picked something that's like, I'm going to trip. Mm-hmm. Tons of stacking jewelry throughout. Anna Luisa down. Stacks on stacks. She nailed it. She's wearing at a different point a pink blouse, a high-waisted black jean with the classic Gucci belt that every housewife owns. It's black with the two gold GGs. And then that's what everyone has. And with a higher boot. The end outfit was the one that interested me the most because it's contrasted with Pina in the elephant dress. <laughs> so Pina's wearing a black dress with white little elephants that are about half an inch big all over it. And then Natalie is wearing a scarf print. It's a knotted top chest area where it's all the silk has been sort of shredded and knotted together in this really intricate lattice design over her chest with a beige blazer. And it's like a little sort of soft dress. So it's a really cute, that's, this is my favorite thing that she wears. So she wears that dress and it's like right above the knee. And then when we see her in the long out shot, she's wearing a chestnut sock boot. That's so cute. It looks adorable, super casual, but still really stylish. She looks great. I was into it. Did you have a favorite look that she was wearing? No, I just, I don't notice clothes. I thought she looks amazing. Would you like some faux leather pants? Would you feel sassy in those first crime con? No, but she did great. She did great. She's a great dresser and her jewelry game is always on point. I did have one interesting sort of counterpart. Lady Gaga and the real Patricia Gucci are both in white, but Gaga's in like a cape. So that's a power statement. Patricia's hair in the trial looks like a wig to me. It's like huge. It was like a bouffant. And then she wore a lime suit. Yeah, lemon lime, they said. Very daring. Interesting. And there's just so much good 80s photos. They had actual runway shows, which were super fun. Old runway stuff. Older, not super old, but old. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Uh, Let's do titles. All right. I didn't have that great of titles, surprisingly. They're, well, I don't know. They're great to me. That's all that matters. What about the choice? Why did I write that? What's the choice? Oh, I know what the choice was. It was between, it was the very beginning, the love ultimatum. Oh. Her or Gucci. Right. Yeah. I just wrote the choice because for brevity. A choice for Kaylee. I know. And then I wrote almost paradise. That song? I wrote paradise lost. There we go. I wrote a song. You wrote a popular story. Yeah. Novel. Yeah. Poem. Miniseries. <laughs> Okay, peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) (laughs) Why were you so stuck on peanut butter? Because you like it when I get stuck on things. (laughs) Sometimes it pans out. Sometimes it doesn't. 
good. And then I have G is for Gana. Yeah. Which was, you didn't mention it, but Natalie says, they said G is for Gucci, but then all the Italian paper says G is for Gana, which means war. Yeah. So I thought that would have been a great title, actually. Right? Yeah. And then I had one left, which was fashioning a murder. There we go. I was playing around with Italian dressing because A, I really like Italian dressing. B, it is Italian and they're dressing in Gucci clothes. That's great. And then the widow, the witch and the Gucci wardrobe. Oh, you are killing it today. (laughs) I liked it. You did amazing. Are those it? That's pretty much it. Yeah. Five stars, five out of five. I was trying to do something with sailing, sailing into, I don't know where I was going with that. Nope. Don't try it. Don't ruin it. You did really good with just the two. Yeah. The widow, the witch and the Gucci wardrobe. Can everyone please, if you have not given us five stars on Apple Podcasts, that deserves five stars. Not as much as depression and de bears. Let's be real. I think all three of those should equal a five star review. So can you please give us a five star review on iTunes? If you have not on iTunes on iMusic, Apple Music, if you haven't already. Thank you. Let me just do a really quick Twitter. I have to know Twitter. I really want to know. Yeah, because Dayline Producer had some stuff that they just couldn't fit everything into this episode. Okay, let's go. Mauricio Gucci hired Tom Ford. I said that one. You have to be separated for a certain amount of years in Italy before you can file for divorce. So that's why they were kind of separated for five years before he could actually get the divorce. They want to make sure you're serious. They want to make sure you're serious. However, you can get engaged on your second date. So (laughs) anything for marriage. Well, that's because they're passionate people. Right. Exactly. There is. It's all about love. They also, that's the goes works the other way in divorce. They think you might get in a fight and be like, we're divorcing. Right. Totally. (laughs) America, the beautiful wrote, Pina just made a pillow inexplicably fall over on a bench in the living room during the part about spells and curses. Hubby and I just stared at it. Okay. That's terrifying. She's in your house now. Pina is looking out from under her eyes a lot. She's doing this thing. Yeah. A little bit like the ring girl and like every evil character ever. Yeah. Which makes her look scary. In her interview, she's like, chin up, all bright and fresh. But I think if she lowered that chin and started looking out, we'd feel very differently. But Pina's trying to be scary on purpose, I feel like. Yeah. No, it's all about posture. It's all reality TV said Chris Jenner should play Patricia in this Lifetime movie, which I totally agree. I don't see the Kris Jenner thing. I must not know what Kris Jenner looks like very much. She looks so much like Kris Jenner. And Kris Jenner embraced that 80s fashion because she was friends with, you know, OJ and that whole thing. I mean, I kind of know that, but I just don't see her as I need to look at older pictures of her. Look at older pictures from the 80s. Because I can only think of her with like very short hair and a black suit. No, she. That's all I get when I think Kris Jenner. Look at older pictures where she wore the shoulder pads and the whole thing. Like she was on Dynasty. Although I do think Chris Jenner really liked Tom Ford. So I don't know. I don't know what that means. Well, I mean, that's that blazer look is Tom Ford. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I knew that. Charles says, Pina and Patsy be best friends. Then came a murder. The friendship it ends. I thought that was very cute. So Dateline producer said, so you thought Benifer or Kimye was special? Maurizio and Patricia had a Rolls Royce with a license plate, Maizia. And this was in the late 70s. So they really started that whole thing. That's for the win. Because their names go together. Mm-hmm. 
There was another matter. Paola had a son and rumor was that Maurizio was going to adopt him and that would have split the daughter's inheritance. So that was another reason that Patricia was really, really mad. I have a question on this. Where are the children? I don't know who his children are. (laughs) Yeah, get ready. I'll have something on this in a second. So this is the best. They offered Patricia early release from prison in 2011 if she enrolled in a work program and she refused. She'd rather stay in prison than work. (laughs) So she spent 25 years just getting up late. Yeah. And wandering around. Yeah. Sleeping. Well, that's what Pina said. Yeah. They said you can go do this work. You'll get to go home every day. You'll, you know, just you have to work. She said no. No, she's way too much pride for that. She doesn't want people to see her doing that. That's all about image. Oh, lady. So Dateline tried to interview Patricia, but she is under a conservatorship imposed partly by her daughters, a similar scenario to Britney Spears. They're preventing her from doing any interviews, although she did do some when she got out of prison. Yeah, I've seen some. But they're trying to stop her from talking anymore. That makes sense. But every picture I've seen of her, she has that parrot in multiple yeah. different outfits. <laughs> What's the parrot's name? Did they tell us? No, but I'd be very curious. So her daughters cut her off after her conviction. So she sued them for her $1 million a year alimony that she was due, including all the time she was in prison. And she won. So the estate had to pay her $20 million when she got out of prison. Just let that sink in and the rich get richer. And apparently she spent it all on bracelets because she's wearing about a thousand bracelets in every picture I've seen of her, like beaded bracelets, not jewels, just like Mardi Gras beads. I did see one article that the daughters had sold the penthouse for $45 million. So they had to pay her $20 million and they have to take care of her. For all the time she's in prison and they have to take care of her. Yeah. That's not right. Yeah. She sued and she won. Yeah. Wow. So she's just wow. Also, Mm -hmm. wow, our listeners, thank you for listening, but in a good way. You guys are wow in a good way. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and let us know what you think, whose story you believe, who did it. I think we kind of know, though. Who did it? I mean, who did Patricia do it or was she framed? Does anyone think that? I think they were probably, if I had to guess, allegedly, I would say they were in on it together. That's what I think, too. That each had a part. I don't think that the true story came out fully. We may never know, but I think it is a mix of what we heard. Yeah, I think so, too. Do you agree with Lady Gaga not wanting to meet with her before the role? Yeah, that seems like a Gaga thing. She's an actress. No, I don't think so. Doesn't she want to create her own character? Maybe she was scared of her. I think that she was smart because I think that she knew that Patricia is not going to like how she plays her. Mm-hmm. And so she was trying to be like, I don't want to be tainted. So I'm not going to meet with this person because I think it would be hard to not be influenced. Right. Yeah. But I would think you would be influenced for the worse. I don't think Patricia is going to charm her at this point now that we all know what she's capable of. No, I yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. I think it would make it harder to do it. I think she's trying to make the character kind of as real and as maybe sympathetic as possible, given all the circumstances. 
So we'll see. I don't, we'll see. I haven't seen the movie. I don't know. I can't speak. I probably won't see it. So I don't know. That was fun. That was really fun. It was a different, different speed. We have a double date coming out in a couple of days, everybody. So wait for that. Fashion to the left. Fashion. Wham is still going strong. Some people are out and we mourn their loss and we carry the torch in their honor. And Mariah Geddon is still going to. There's apparently a lot of Instagram stories. You know, those girls dancing all cute to the Mariah Carey song. And then if you have your sound on when you're going through people's Instagram stories, you're going to get out. Also trips to the grocery store. Wear earbuds. I don't think I've seen those things on Instagram. Yeah. I might be in the wrong part of Instagram for that. I think you're in the wrong part of Instagram or TikTok. That's all right. All right, everybody. Take care of each other. It's a stressful kind of year. Be extra kind. People need kindness right now. So just be nice to everybody. And be your own Bugatti, which is Italian, right? Oh, is it? Question mark. Sounds Italian. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Let's go with yes. Yes. Bye, everybody. Day fresh to cheese the bags. Does Liv have a blog that also has Liv's loves and Liv's laughs and their jokes that Liv likes and then things that Liv loves? No. Her name is Liv. So it'd be funny if she had Liv laugh love. Liv's loves, Liv's laughs. Liv, if you want to take that. I'll take 10% off the top (laughs) of the money you make from your blog.